0: Welcome to the Managing Your Multi-Passionate Life Show. Your host Carol Dixon Carr is an educator of and a participant in many eclectic subjects, and she loves it that way. Each week, she'll bring you episodes and stories on how you can navigate those multiple passions while managing your mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional energy in your life as a whole. So here's Carol.
1: Well, hello there, everybody. Here we are at episode seven. And I'm actually an intimate extrovert. So interviewing people that I vibe with really gives me life. It really gives me a whole lot of life. But today, this is a solo show. And this solo show is going to be a little bit different because it's almost like I'm in workshop mode. And yeah, because I really like to mix things up. So this workshop is going to be tied to managing one's relationship with time because It keeps coming up in my circle, in my classroom, in my house. So I think it's a really good idea to talk about it, even though we can't really manage time. I mean, because we only have 24 hours. All of us get the same 24 hours. But if we are mindful of the things that we are doing throughout the day, I think that we could actually have some amazing productivity that maybe you didn't anticipate. Because I know that a one-size-fits-all strategy is really not existence. It's not in existence. And it's a good idea to have some options. So some of the stuff I'll be talking about might be old hat to you. And some of it might be, oh, I hadn't considered this. That's what I'm hoping for. (laughs) But then, of course, there's always the possibility that you might think, well, that's a dumb idea. I don't even know why she suggested that. It happens. You can't please everybody. I've known that in my world of teaching and coaching. I know I can't please everybody. That's okay. We come from different walks of life, so the filters that meet this material will vary from person to person. So all I'm going to do is give you a a menu of options because I like the food metaphors. So when you go to a restaurant, you don't necessarily want to order everything off the menu, right? So with that being said, you know, we all know that time is a scarce resource. By definition, we know this. We all have 24 hours in a day and some of us can hire things out. I get that, but this is from the filter of what, what we can do. And delegation is a whole nother talk show. Okay. So. People. There are some people who believe that they have all the time in the world, and others believe that there's just not enough time. And of course, there are people out there who actually don't even think about time. They're just in the moment. Those people are cool. I have to consciously be in the moment, which sounds kind of contradictory, and also the topic of another episode, I would say. It's hard to not think about time when I have all these things going on in my life, even though I do know how to be present. So yeah, time probably is a relative concept depending on who you talk to. Even though literally we have 24 hours a day, every one of us do. But if you're driven to achieve, it might look different from those who are more chilled out. and. I have to take this opportunity to throw a couple of economic concepts, just like basic ones that I taught in my micro principles course, that's tied to this whole notion of the workaholic versus the person who's more chill. And there's no judgment around it, but I talk about this notion of the income and substitution effect in microeconomics. It's the same idea. So some people are driven primarily by cash flow and will work very hard to get it. And if they get a raise, Their rationale is, well, let me work even more to get even more. And so as these people are offered a higher wage, their tendency is to want to work even more hours to make even more money because the price of leisure is perceived to be, quote, more expensive than working. That is the substitution effect in layman's terms. Contrast that with the income effect with the income effect as wage rates go up The tendency is to want to work less because you can make what you did before or maybe even more and then maybe even buy more Including buying more leisure That's kind of me. So that narrative says I'm taking my time off. It's the same kind of idea So that's the income effect and they work in the opposite directions income and substitution effects. so people outside looking into the people who are really driven might conclude that those really driven people are really excellent taskmasters. And you might, and I'm not saying that might happen to you necessarily, but you might be wondering why you can't accomplish more in an even shorter time frame. People have these different personalities where they feel like they're not even productive enough. There are, I know a lot of people, they're really high achieving people. I mean, they get so much done and they still think, I'm not getting enough done. And people are telling you, well, dang, you really are getting a lot done you are getting a lot done, and I've been able to relate to that, but I've gotten better over the years. I do remember, though, one of my coaches telling me, you are an excellent doer, Carol. You're an excellent taskmaster, but what you need to work on is being. And I had started working on that three years before she told me that, back in 2004, and then, but she told me this in 2007, so obviously I didn't catch on right away, and Heck, I was a full-on grown-up at 2007. I was turning 40. But, of course, we've got the other extreme, and that person believes that there will always be time. And if we take it to the extreme, we can call that person the procrastinator. And there's no judgment there either. Definitely no judgment, because I procrastinate also. And it's really easy for me to procrastinate when it comes to things I don't find exciting or I find super tedious. So, with that being said, you might be, well, I should say you might not be the 100% quote, I'm driven and I must be working all the time type. And you also might not be the 100% procrastinator. What's probably true is that you've related to some of both of the examples in your life and maybe anything in between. But distractions seem to be a really big culprit, not just for us multi-passionate types, but for those who are, you know, high achieving people and are singularly focused. It's easy, or, you know, the ones who love us, <laughs> the ones who love us as multi-passionates. You may be a culprit for the procrastinator as well. So if you're feeling like that, that's one thing. But on the the flip side, if you feel like you're not entitled to relax, that's a big culprit for being, I hate labels, but usually they are called the overachiever. Remember, everybody's entitled to relax at some point because you can't pour from an empty cup. So consciously think about this. Where do you fall? I realize that circumstances change from day to day, but think about what is true for you on average. So, exercise number one. Yeah, remember, we're in workshop mode, so I'll always ask about how you felt about it each time. There'll be three instances when I do this. So, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and... If you're driving, just kind of think about it. If you're washing dishes and have time to pause and write and journal, that'd be great. If not, you can always go back and listen. It's always going to be there. But by answering these questions, I think you're going to be more consciously aware and probably will have more idea on how to actually enjoy and live your life to the fullest. It's just the first step for some of you. And this might just be a reminder for others, but if none of this applies to you at all, if you can't relate, then just keep it moving and continue to wash your dishes or whatever you were doing. Fast forward, whatever you need to do. Ready? Okay. So mean look at leader. <laughs> all right. So number one. So if you feel on average that you have enough time to accomplish what you need to, but maybe would like to be turbo efficient... And I say start journaling if you can, or even talk with a friend about this. Pause the recording. And think about what would that bring to you? How would that make you feel? That's the first one. I'll say it again. Do you feel, on average, that you have enough time to accomplish what you need to, but want to be more efficient, or let's say turbo-efficient? And if so, talk about what that would bring to your life. How would that make you feel? Right about that. All right, if you need more time, just pause the recording. Next, number two, think about what distracts you. Is it the TV? Is it the unscreened phone calls do you pick up if you know who it is each time? Video games? Is it Facebook? Is it the boundary thing where it's hard to say no to people? Start thinking about that. need more time just pause number three all right next what motivates you to complete the tasks that need to be done are you motivated by family or the opposite of good things like are you motivated by fear or neutral things like the need to achieve the need to survive the need to feel healthy or something else that I haven't mentioned what are, these, what are these things that motivate you? And remember, motivation is definitely different from inspiration. Inspiration actually comes from some, someplace else, something intuitive and divine, in my opinion. Because a lot of the things that we need to do, we just need to do, whether we're motivated or not. So, what's the motivation? Think about that. All right, number four, next question. What is usually going on in your environment when you are unmotivated to complete the tasks that need to be done? For example, maybe you like to work alone and it's hard, especially in a pandemic, if you live with people. We've been dealing with a winter storm this week in the lovely state of Texas without the appropriate infrastructure. Things are starting to melt as I record, thank God. But it's been a journey. So it's been hard for us to be in the routine that we usually are, I'm usually on campus. We're all usually on campus doing our thing, but we really couldn't go anywhere because the worlds were awful. And so it's been challenging for all of us. My daughter likes to work, get her, you know, she's studying, she likes to work at a coffee shop, her favorite co- coffee shop. Not at home because home is home for her. But the roads just haven't really been conducive to that until today, really. Me? I like to work in a quiet space and preferably mix it up. Sometimes I like to be at a coffee shop. Sometimes I like to be at home but with nobody in the house so that when I have break time I can sing or dance or play the piano or whatever and then get back to my task because that's how I become more productive but I don't like to disturb people so I don't usually do the singing unless nobody's here. (laughs) So... It's easy to say, I'm just going to wait. I'm not going to do any of this stuff. They canceled this week, so I'm going to cancel me. But you have to have the discernment to know what needs to be done, even if you're going to just cancel the week. And I didn't really want to cancel the podcast. I thought that labor of love needed to be done. And I know that my lack of vot- my lack of motivation this week was really tied to, I can't be alone in the house, so I'm just going to wait. But yeah, we got a week off that we didn't ask for. But I know I'll get all my work done. I'm, all, I'm actually on track to get it all done. All right. So here's the question again, since I really went on the tangent. What is really going on? What is usually going on in your environment when you are unmotivated to complete the tasks that need to be done? So I'll give you some space to think about that. All right, number five in the section, let's talk about multitasking. And that's a, con- that's a controversial subject, depending on who you talk to. Multitasking actually can be good, but it really will depend on the cognitive processes at work. Multitasking is one of these things that you can do, and it serves you if the cognitive if the cognitive processes are different. So, for example, if you're driving or washing the dishes and listening to music or this podcast, that's one thing. That's actually perfectly fine because you're using different cognitive processes. Or even if you're folding laundry and watching TV or whatever, different cognitive processes. So that's beneficial. You're enjoying your show and you're also getting some laundry done. So... We're thinking about that kind of multitasking, not the multitasking where you're answering email while your friend is trying to engage you in a conversation. You want to give them your full attention. You don't want to talk about the multitasking that you're on a Zoom call, but you're also trying to get some work done that's tied not to the Zoom call. That's not helpful. Please don't do that. Be engaged. Again, the multitasking that I'm talking about has the different cognitive process. Like, do you like to listen to music while you work? That kind of thing. Is it something that makes you feel empowered or does it make you want to run away screaming? In other words, are you more singularly focused? And you can be, even the multi passionates can be hyper focused into one thing that's called flow. And I really cannot pronounce the person's name very well. Can't remember that. Anyway, that state of flow, you can really get in there without any kind of focus in the, in the background. But for me, if I'm working on something creative or even grading, I'll have music on, and grading things that require critical thinking, it can't have any lyrics, it's, so it's going to have to be classical or jazz or something. But if I'm dealing with spreadsheets and things like that, even being creative with spreadsheet assignments, I can have things on with lyrics. I can even sing along and still do that. So my cognitive processes can separate those things. And it also psychologically works for me. But some people like to work in perfect silence and so you need to know that about yourself as well and the environments that work for you. Think about that. Singularly focused or the beneficial multitasking that uses both cognitive pro- uses different cognitive processes. Think about that for a bit. Okay, that's the first set of questions. Alright, so that first set of questions I'm going to ask you. Did you feel irritated when I asked you these questions? Or did you feel relieved? Or did you feel neutral? Or any other emotion? It'd be kind of fun if you joined the Facebook group and actually talked about this. Because I think it's an important topic. We've got important work to do in the world, and I think those of you who are listening there are up to really cool things. I'm pretty certain of it. But, yeah, there's more. Let's keep going. (laughs) This, as I told you, is one of those podcasts where you just have to think a little bit. So, alright, moving on. Here comes one of the biggest cliches in the world. If you've been on the planet long enough, you've heard it more often than you care to hear. And the cliche is this. If you plan to fail, sorry, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. It is such a cliche, but it can be true in some cases, not all cases, but some. But there's something, there's always something to be said for spontaneity, if that's your personality. But the key is to find that perfect balance for your situation and your personality. There is no one size fits all. Remember I said that at the beginning. So even the people who are talking about so-called time management, even though I don't believe in time management because you have a fixed number of hours, but some people are talking about, you know, real time management, getting your Franklin planner out, that might work for other people. It's not my jam. Not at all. It's not for everybody. But it. some people love that stuff. There's this app called Timeular that people love and... People I love love that, but I don't. It's not my jam. People I love and respect love it. It's not me, though. So you have to think about what menu item actually works for you to get it done. So what are some menu... There's so many menu items, but... Trying to keep this under 45 minutes. Let's keep it going. So what are the menu of options? They're coming. You can just pick the meal that appeals to you most. It's a short menu. And... It's entirely possible, like I said at the beginning, that none of them will appeal to you. That's okay, too. But, on the flip side, you could be kind of hungry and want to combine those meals, and that works, too. Go for it. Like I said, take what works and leave the rest. I'll do this by recapping those the three general personalities with respect to time and how to be mindful in each realm, I guess I'll call it. So as I mentioned earlier, some people are naturally hyper-goal-oriented, so for the goal-oriented types, your relationship with time is a little shaky. It's possible that your goals might be a bit, just a wee bit optimistic. I really am an advocate for shooting for optimistic goals. It's actually not a bad idea at all, but what you don't want to do is beat yourself up if you don't reach them all. I always say, try to enjoy the journey, generally speaking, but definitely think of the journey. Think of the journey you enjoy trying to get there, and you'll likely be further along than you would have if you didn't have any goals. Even with that, your personality, well, you know, I'm going to always have goals. Come on now. But just think about that, though. Just think about it. It's like, what if you didn't have any? There's always an upside to, to most things. Most things, not all things, but most things. Then we've got this other personality where they're naturally scheduling they're naturally schedule oriented. I mean so schedule oriented that they plan their days to the minute detail. I know people like that. I've had students like that. But that's not me. But if this works well for you and you have if you have realistic expectations about your to do list, I say go for it. So think So think about these things as we go down the rabbit hole of that scheduling orientation. Give yourself a break if you don't get every single detail done. Just take a deep breath because it'll be there. But then there's the other extreme. There are these people who actually hate routine. And they fly by the seat of their pants and thrive on it. Some procrastinators can actually really do their best work at the last minute. I mostly can't relate to that. (laughs) Sometimes I can. It just depends on how intuitive I am tuned in. But mostly I have to do some planning in most cases. I can't really fly by the seat of my pants on everything. 80% of it, I definitely have to plan it out. But if you are efficient and stress-free, and what I mean by stress-free is that you don't have the kind of stress that's giving you physical, emotional, mental stress, spiritual stress, because, you know, we tend to have a little bit of stress to stay on our toes. We don't want to be so laid back that we don't care that we let a deadline lapse. You want a little stress for that because you want to care about the task. That's okay. But you don't want stress that adversely affects your mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional health. So if you're efficient and relatively stress-free with this approach, who am I to rock the boat with that? But if you find yourself stressed, physically or mentally, as a result, I would definitely suggest some trying something else, going outside your comfort zone, because if you're flying by the seat of your pants just because that's what you do, but you don't really thrive from it, try this, and it'll probably feel tedious, but I'm, you know, if it's not working, we need to try something else. But springing a to-do list on you might not be a great idea at first, That might be a slow death, but... Perhaps if we ease into it, let's say, keep a, if you're a tangible person, keep a small, like a sticky notepad, little sticky notes or a little small notepad, or a piece of paper near your workstation. I tend to use the Notes app on my phone, whatever works for you, whether it's Trello, Evernote, any one of those things. You can actually write spontaneously things down when you're where you're actually able to see it every day. That's the idea. So rather than having that like structured to-do list, you can just like, oh, this thing I have to do and just put it on a sticky note so it can feel kind of creative. You can put it, you can use different color markers, whatever, you can use different color, sticky note colors, whatever works so it doesn't feel so left brain, I guess, is the word I'm looking at. And as a task needs to be done, occurs to you, you can just write it down. In, or dictate it into your app of choice. And if there is an imposed due date, maybe put that in the calendar or send yourself a reminder. If I'm on the iPhone. I'm always saying, Hey Siri, remind me to do this thing. And most of the things that are in the calendar are like meetings with actual people. <laughs> They're not the things that I have to do with myself. So sending yourself a reminder would be a really good idea. If you're old school, you can just write that due date and color, technicolor, so you can see it, so it will be a constant reminder. And with that constant reminder, you may be inclined to complete that task ahead of schedule rather than just in the nick of time with that stress hanging over your head. Which of the scenarios I described came closest to, to, to describing your situation most of the time? Because I know... Sometimes there's a combination. So remember, the first one was the naturally goal-oriented one that they have an inclination to overplan and put way too much on that to-do list. The second one is the schedule-oriented but planning things to the minor, most intimate detail. And the third category is the flying by the seat of your pants and thriving on it and ideally not being overly stressed about it. So those are the three. Which of them came closest to describing your situation most of the time? And the follow-up question also becomes, does any of that get in your way or does it work for you on average? Or some combination. Think about that. And if more than one scenario applies, definitely feel free to journal about it or talk about that. But if none of the above scenarios that I just talked about applied, then I would just invite you to think about what your situation is and then talk about what has worked for you in the past and what hasn't with somebody or journal about it. So that's the second exercise. Let me ask you again about that. Did you feel irritated when I asked you these questions? Or did you feel relieved? Did you feel neutral or some other emotion? Huh! You thought we were done? I know you're used to the shorter episodes. But I got one more, one more little workshop item to do. Alright? So, this is, I promise, this is the last section of this mini workshop. And I did ask you some questions earlier to go inside yourself. And I hope you were really honest with yourself. And... It should be clear to you why you consciously have this relationship that you do with time. Whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And I really don't want you to judge any of it. Can you think of some other incentives to have that actual even better relationship with time if you don't already? Because some people just like have like the best BFF relationship with their time. But some people they might need some couples counseling, so to speak. (laughs) So think about that. But what are some incentives? One incentive that stands out for me the most is having more time to spend doing the things I love with the people I love. It's probably the biggest incentive. And any opportunity that I can get on the piano and try to figure out songs or learn a piece just for the sake of it, I'm like, whew, yeah. That, that, That really frees me up. And I usually just take that time anyway during my breaks, as I mentioned earlier. It's usually from grading because that's one of the tedious tasks, (laughs) even though I have a grader who helps me. Thank God for that. But yeah, it makes me more efficient and productive afterwards if I get to do those fun things. So I mentioned earlier to be mindful of your distractions, and I know that it's a real journey to consciously minimize distraction, especially if you're spinning all the plates like I do. But a task list, that's the last item on this thing. (laughs) A task list of priorities by category might help. And you might already do this. But if not, keep listening. It really did help me. And when I was younger, I had subcategories. I had these three major categories and then I had the subcategories. And now I can consciously think about those three uh, main categories without having to write them down. I don't really need them. But I, I will share those in a bit. But if it's a new idea, you might want to try those three big categories that I'm going to share in a minute and then perhaps add the subcategories to it. Um, because it if it's a new concept, that means you might be operating by default and you might not be getting things done and you might be the bottleneck if you're the leader. You don't want to be that. So the big three categories. The first one is the category of... And this is so scientific, but I got to do this category. So this one is urgent and you're going to have a time frame for these tasks for sure. And then the second category is I got to do it, but it's not as urgent. But if you'll still have to provide a time frame. It'll just be a further out time frame. And then the third category is I would like to do these things at some point. So those are the, so that's one of those open situations and within that, you'll have your different subcategories. And like I said, I don't really need those now. I just put, I just have a weekly task list and then I, I kind of know when things need to be done. I don't really have to put time. I know because I have the schedule. I have that memorized. So I want you to consider the personal and the professional life when you do this. Because for example, with me, I have my categories, but now I don't have the big three because I know it's urgent. For example, I have the university task list, the podcast task list, the career journey course for multi-passionist task list, and I also have the fitness task list because I still have to learn choreography for the formats. And I'm also having, I have the book project task list, and then the the open ongoing one that's not tied to performing or teaching it is the music task list. The one where I just really want to learn new pieces of music or figure things out if I can't find the sheet music, for example. But yeah, that's the idea. So if that works for you, go for it. I think going outside your comfort zone or doing something different, even if it sounds tedious at first, you never know, You might it might grow on you. So try it, if you want, or not. Like I said, I always say, eat the hay, leave the sticks. Once you've actually listed your priorities, if you do do this exercise... I, if you really want to get granular, rank them in order of, of importance and actually rank order them with a number next to it. Like one for most important, two for next important, etc. You don't really have to get that granular if you don't want to. Like I said, you can be as broad or specific as you want to. And if you like to write things down and are open to tracking things, I actually will put this in the show notes and in the Facebook group. And it's kind of a mini daytime exercise. And it, uh, even though it kind of mirrors some of the things that, it's not my jam, but it has helped people when I was, back in the day when I was coaching on productivity, I did create this for some people who enjoyed it. So, I am going to include that too. And the document will be called Time timetracker.pdf and you can download that. I'll let you do that. You can try it if you want. You don't have to again, like I said. You might hate it and not even do it, but it'll be there if you want. So, that what the document will do show is on the on the night on the night before, either the night before or the following morning, I would make a list on the left side of the grid of what you intend to do that day. And then on the right side at the end of the day, you list what you actually did. And then you evaluate how you did each day without judgment but still answer the questions. Did you meet your expectations? Did schedule too much? Did you fall short? Etc. But remember, do not judge any of it. Just observe it. That's it. Okay, guys. Finally, I'm done with the questions. All done with the asking of the questions. Well, just kidding. Let me ask you. In doing this exercise, did you feel irritated, relieved, neutral, or some other emotion? Okay. Done with our little mini workshop. Yay. And it was under 40 minutes. Yay. So next week... Will not be a workshop. I'm interviewing somebody. We are going to talk to somebody who really does do all the things. He's a recording artist. He's an author. He caters his awesome barbecue all over the Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's really awesome. My husband's a great barbecue too, but he enjoyed He enjoys his barbecue, too. He's a really deep thinker, also, and I really can't wait to interview him. His name is Tim Cross, and that episode won't have any workshop vibe to it, although it will get you to think. I'm certain of that. But, yeah, it'll be about us talking about things I believe are important so that we can manage our energy and live our best lives. I would like to mix up the format of this podcast because I don't want to get bored and quit this thing. It really is a labor of love. So I hope that you did get some ideas in this episode, even though it was kind of dense in information because I'll do that every now and then. But when things are starting to feel a little crazy, it's easy to forget the tools that we all have inside of us. And I like to serve as that reminder for you from time to time. I hope your day is or was fabulous. Take care, everybody.
0: Thank you for listening to Managing Your Multi-Passionate Life with Carol Dixon Carr. If you'd like to continue the conversation on these topics, head on over to the free Managing Your Multipassionate Life Facebook group. You can find the link in the show notes, along with other resources. And if any of Carol's words resonate with you, feel free to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Until next time.